Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the EFT Healing Center Online Radio Network. Tap into your fullest potential, starring the founder of the EFT Healing Center, Annabelle Fisher. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton. Hey, Annabelle, welcome to today's show. Hi, Scott. Thank you. I'm feeling so good today because finally in British Columbia, we have sunshine. It makes me feel so good. (laughs) Yeah. It seemed to have been a very long, wet spring, didn't it? Oh, yes. And we've had uh, three consistent days of sunshine now. And uh, and I'm loving it today because the uh, Saturday and Sunday, I was actually teaching my last uh, EFT workshop of the season. So I, I and the ladies in the workshop were indoors all, all weekend. Uh, so I'm, I'm really appreciating being out and enjoying the sunshine today. Yeah, it's pretty nice. And... Uh, We've got uh, lots going on. You've had a busy weekend. Yes, I have. Uh, I had a phenomenal weekend, actually. Um, I taught a group of uh, all ladies uh, at my Level 2 workshop, the Heart of EFT, as I call it. Uh, It's one of my favorite workshops because it's where people really start to integrate uh, the, the essentials or the mechanics of EFT and start to become even more creative and intuitive Uh, and I love uh, being part of that process and and not only seeing um, them work with one another and what great results they're getting when they do pair work but of course the the amazing shifts and insights that they're receiving themselves as they do the work so they're they're clearing their own concerns and anxieties and getting some really great results. They're getting more of a deeper and a clearer insight into what's going on for them in their lives and, and what the limitations are. And I really, really enjoy watching that. And I have to say, this, uh, this particular group really, really stretched themselves. As I said uh, they, to them, you've gone to the edge and uh, as one of my mentors uh, tells me, uh, in order to be able to fly, we have to go to the edge. And I believe this weekend, that's what those ladies did. They uh, just kept peeling away the layers and uh, getting clearer on why they had particular behavior patterns, thoughts, limiting beliefs, and so forth. And they, they showed so much courage. They just didn't stop. They kept using the EFT. That's, uh, that's really cool. Very, very awesome. And it brings up to mind one question that I have, and that is, what's the difference between somebody maybe getting a book on EFT or even listening to our podcast and working one-on-one or in a group scenario with you for that, uh, whether it's one day or two-day weekend that you put on? Yes, I mean, what's the difference? Where do I start? Have have we got three hours, Scott? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Only a few minutes. Well, uh, I think it's like chalk and cheese. I mean, those examples of, say, studying a book or looking at a YouTube video um, or uh, I believe as uh, value-filled and content-rich as our podcasts are, uh, there is a limited amount that you and I can discuss during one podcast. Whereas, And, of course, when you and I do tapping, I'm making it very general. It's not specific to an individual. Um, I'm using more general terms. And when somebody is working one-on-one with a practitioner, they're getting individual attention. And, of course, they're comp- uh, the practitioner is focused on their, their client's needs specifically and therefore is addressing whatever's coming up for them specifically. 
Uh, and I always look at my role as a practitioner as very much a, a facilitator and almost like a guide. So I'm gently encouraging somebody forward um, and offering them opportunities or possibilities uh, and different pathways that they can follow if they choose to. Uh, I think it's, it, it makes absolute sense to me that in order to move forward in our lives in whatever way that is from whatever's holding us back, we do need a helping hand because we are limited in our perspective. Uh, so as far as somebody working with an EFT practitioner, they're going to have a completely objective perspective given to them because the practitioner is not living what they're living. Um, and they're a, the practitioner is able to see the wood for the trees because they're not experiencing it very deeply and intensely like the, the client is. Uh, and interestingly, I just uh, had a 30-minute phone consultation with a client and uh, we, we addressed a specific uh, challenge that she had at the moment. And uh, she said to me, I understand fully the value of working with a practitioner simply because I can't do this on my own. I'm too deeply immersed in what's going on and I can't see the options that are available to me clearly enough. Mm -hmm. I, need, I need somebody to guide me through um, and I said to her, exactly, I mean, how many of us, how many of the listeners, how many times do you, how many times do I, if we have a problem, we'll turn to a friend or a loved one and say, hey, can I discuss this with you? And it's always really useful having that objective perspective given to us because that other person isn't living what we're going through in that moment. And another perspective is always very helpful, isn't it? Oh, it has to be, yes. Um, I mean, the clients that I work with uh, come um, and want EFT because they feel stuck in some way. And there is a bigger part of them that's, that is actually questioning, is there any resolution here? Uh, am, I, am I ever going to be free of this? Uh, and particularly when I work with clients that are very seriously ill, they're coming from a place of, I've tried so much um, and so, some of it has worked a little, some of it hasn't worked at all, um, there probably is no um, w way out of this. There is no resolution. Uh, so that it, I think it's hugely important to have that other person's perspective to offer suggestions and, of course, reframe, reframe the situation that's going on and uh, enable them to see that there is an opportunity and, of course, all that despair can be turned into hope. Right, and that's a, a huge part of it. And I was going to say, too, that don't a lot of the people that come to the seminars come with the attitude of, uh, you know, my my mom, I mean, we all, you know, the baby boomers are getting older, so our parents are very, very old. <laughs> and so, you know, they're running into the typical health challenges that you have when you're in your 80s and 90s. And... Uh, Sometimes it's like, well, I really want to learn this because I see the value in it, and I think it could really help my mom or my dad or other people I know that are struggling. And But do they miss out the fact that maybe the best way to help somebody is to help themselves? Oh, my goodness, that's such a great question, Scott. Yes, indeed, they do. Uh, when I offer Level 1, uh, the way that I uh, put it out to people is that this is a great uh, tool to learn uh, to help yourselves and uh, your friends and family members. 
And when um, I start a level uh, one workshop and I ask people why they're there, they'll always say, or often they'll say to me, oh, well, my mother's really sick or um, my brother uh, smokes and wants to quit or uh, my, my daughter has asthma or wh whatever the situation is. It's always about somebody else and how that person who's attending the workshop really wants to help the other person. And I, and I love it, and I have deep respect for it. I honor all those people. But I often wonder, where is that person on the list of people she wants to help? Uh, somewhere along the line, she's forgotten about herself. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the point that you raised, I think, is crucially important. But it's my belief that it, the only way that we can be effective and really completely help others is, first of all, to help ourselves. Um, and I don't mean that uh, in the way that, hey, let's be completely uh, uh, narcissistic or uh, selfish, although I have a different take on the, the meaning of the word selfish anyway, uh, or self-absorbed. I'm saying let's focus on what's going on for us internally and how we can resolve that, um, and then we'll be in an even greater position to support and facilitate help the people around us. That's a great point. And it's something that every time we get on a plane, they harp on over and over again. They say, you know what, if there's a problem and we lose air pressure, these air, the gas masks come down, the oxygen masks come down, put it on yourself first, then make sure that you know, if you're with kids, they go on next. You don't try to put it on your kid first and then put it on yourself because <laughs> you may go unconscious and then how are you going to help your child? Yes, it's a great analogy. Uh, I'm, I'm looking after myself so that I can benefit my child. Um, and I think exactly the same is uh, the, the work that we do on ourselves to grow and heal. It's imperative that uh, we do that work ourselves so that we're in a, an even stronger and even more powerful position to help others. And what's interesting is, for example, uh, in my workshop at the weekend, uh, the harsh of EFT, uh, I, of course, demonstrate a number of techniques because there's no better way to learn than watch it in action. So, I mean, I could talk about the theory, as, of course, I do when I describe the technique, but then I want to demonstrate it, too, because there are many different techniques within emotional freedom techniques. So um, I had a volunteer up, and I was tapping on her, and lots of people in the group at, from time to time would get triggered so they would kind of be drawn into what was happening for my volunteer. Mm. And, of course, there would be times where they, they were kind of projecting into it and remembering times of their own that were very similar. Um, and can you imagine if a practitioner uh, was working with a client and kept being triggered left, right, and center uh, by whatever their clients were saying? I mean, the, 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 uh, the session would, be, would end in chaos because mm. the, the client would be upset because the practitioner was upset and so forth. Uh, so in that case, um, the, the people observing the demonstration were being triggered because for whatever reasons at that time they hadn't addressed those particular things for themselves. Uh, and now through EFT and, and learning through the workshop, now they can do that. 
but it's, so if they're getting triggered by things they're observing and that other people are experiencing, they need to clear that and feel uh, some, some or complete resolution around that before they go off and help others because, quite frankly, they're not going to be any help to anyone if they're being triggered uh, by something that they're hearing. Yeah, you remind me of uh, someone I know who went to see a therapist and the therapist uh, just get, kept getting triggered by everything that the person was saying uh, to the point where it was, there was no benefit to either party in, in continuing the, the therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, because that person hadn't done the work. I mean, that sounds heavy duty and hardcore, the work, and rather arduous. Um, I mean, work, uh, addressing our own personal concerns doesn't necessarily have to be hard work, but they had, so they hadn't uh, looked into uh, what was going on in their own lives uh, and uh, so therefore offered no, no support to the, the paying client. And I've noticed that actually in my own work, Scott, uh, the, the deeper work that I do uh, on a monthly basis even on myself uh, and the, the more clear I become on uh, why I behave in certain ways, uh, what my responses are to situations, uh, beliefs that I may have, the more understanding I have around that, then uh, the, the clearer my EFT sessions are with my clients because I'm not blocking anything uh, or there's nothing gray going on for me. I'm completely clear. So I, I am ready and open uh, when working with my clients too. Uh, it, it makes it a much smoother EFT session. Sounds like the way it should be done, not... Uh it's kind of surprising it's not kind of a requirement for all uh, therapists and stuff to deal with their stuff before they try to deal with somebody else's stuff. Yes, I mean, there is a, the thought there of well, wh where does it ever end? Because uh, we, were, we were joking over the weekend at my workshop, like, wow, now we've started this process. <laughs> when does it ever end? When does the onion peeling, as I call it, stop? Because we're peeling and peeling and, and getting deeper and deeper uh, and uh, observing different things about ourselves and, and events that have happened to us. However, I agree that it, it is essential that somebody uh, look, looks to themselves, looks inwards and thinks, okay, uh, what, what am I going to offer a paying client or anyone I'm using EFT with if I have a lot of um, emotional uh, sacks of flour, as I call them, mm -hmm. uh, weighing my shoulders down? Uh, am I going to be that uh, broad, expansive, uh, open person uh, that, that I could be or am I going to be so cluttered with all my own stuff that I won't be of any help at all? Well, it always reminds me of the 80-20 rule, which is probably 80% of our upset comes from 20% of our stuff. <laughs> so yes. you can always go deeper and deeper into this, you know, and clear out the stuff and clear out the stuff. But if you clear out that top 20%, then, this, then everything is causing the massive, let's just assume there's massive overreactions to innocuous triggers, like as an extreme, then I think once you've cleared out the, the major part of it, that 20%, then you're, uh, you know, then you're not going to be triggered as much. Does that mean that you're enlightened and that you're ready to go and that you're no? It, you know, we all have work and we'll continue to have work, but we're coming at all of our work from a more um, 
centered, more grounded, more uh, in tune position as opposed to before when we would just go. I mean, and we've all experienced that, you know, as teenagers or whatever, when somebody says something and we just rage and and, and you know the next day you wonder like why was I so upset about that? <laughs> you know, it's not that issue. It that issue triggered something and we we just needed to deal with it. So. And that's the way I kind of look at it when, it, when I get to any, whenever I think of the, oh, will this never end? It's like it's a journey and it's an exciting journey and it becomes more and more exciting the more we clear out this stuff because we're then more authentic, we're more uh, in integrity, we're more who we are and this less and less stuff really uh, bothers us compared to... Um, well, I, you know, let me throw out an example as in a comparison to, um, I was in a downtown uh, of our city uh, uh, probably a year or two ago, and I happened to be on one of the major, uh, I don't want to say party streets, but like one of the areas where everybody kind of goes to congregate, and there's always people walking up and down. It was about 10 o'clock, and there was a red light and a green light, and there was a guy who was diagonally across from me, right? And he was, um, he probably had more than two beer. Let me put it that way. And so he was walking straight towards me. So it didn't matter which light was green or red. He was crossing one of them. (laughs) He was right in the middle of the intersection. And at the same time, uh, directly across with, now this was against the red light, was another guy walking towards me, okay? And his buddy yelled at him and told him he was an idiot and get over here or something like that. And the guy walking diagonally towards me thought that he was the one being yelled at, not this other fellow, right? And he, without hesitation, he was coming straight towards me, turned perpendicular, and went straight at this guy that was <laughs> his friend. And, of course, the guy coming up, and now nobody in this group of three guys is sober, right? And the guy who's crossing towards me sees what happens and immediately intercepts the guy in the middle of the street. So now they're both basically in the middle of the intersection. And he's going, no, no, man, he's not yelling at you, he's yelling at me, it's my buddy. (laughs) Oh, okay, and the two of them then continued across the street, right? And fortunately, you know, all the traffic stopped, waited for these guys to get to safety. Uh, So no one was just, but but basically, you know, they had issues, they didn't really, you know, deal with it, and anything would set this guy off and he'd go have a fight. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, uh, you know, by working on all the issues, you know, someone yelling at you or whatever, it's just like, uh, who cares, right? Yeah, I think um, it's it's interesting about the the deeper the work we do, uh, the more we have... um, This is what I find interesting is uh, you said earlier, Scott, it it can be exciting. And I think uh, for me personally and and for many of my clients that I observe, it's actually uh, the pieces of the jigsaw start to fit into place. And there's such a level of understanding like, oh, so that's why I get triggered in this particular situation or because that event happened uh, or that's why whenever a particular person says something, um, it upsets or hurts me. So we have such an awareness of who we are and where we've come from that I think then that shifts to compassion. And what, what I've always maintained about EFT and why I love it so much is we're always coming from a place of kindness and acceptance of ourselves. So no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said or haven't done or haven't 
hadn't said, in that moment, we were doing our best. Um, and uh, sometimes the, it, it's easy to get that on a, a logic, uh, kind of left-brained way, uh, but it's not so easy to understand it from a heart place. But I think through more in-depth work with EFT, being guided by that facilitator, we are so much more easily able to come to that place of compassion for ourselves. Um, and uh, that, I believe, is where the real shifts start. And I'm not entirely clear that we can come to that real sense of self-acceptance uh, doing the tapping on ourselves because it's quite hard to reframe for ourselves and uh, bring into the tapping phrases the, the shift, the, the different perspectives that are there for us because if we're immersed in the situation, how on earth can we see the different perspectives? Uh, so again, it comes back to being facilitated by that person with an objective view viewpoint who can help us treat ourselves with even more kindness. And Annabelle, do you find that uh, sometimes maybe by intuition or just because you're listening to that person, they say stuff that they don't hear themselves saying, and then or you pick on stuff that they said, you know, maybe this session, maybe last session, maybe another time or maybe in the, you know, the, when you first were introduced, and you sort of all of a sudden you connect these dots and then you come forth with something, and they just go like, oh, I can't believe you put all that together. And it's, chances are they would never be able to connect all those things because we can't see ourselves very well. Yes, you're absolutely right, Scott. I, I find that all the time. Like uh, a lot of people, uh, when we're doing the tapping, will, particularly if they don't know me so well or they're new to EFT, maybe it's our first or second session, they'll say, wow, I can't believe you know me that well or how could you have possibly guessed that I felt mm -hmm. that way? Mm -hmm. And most of the time, uh, it's because I've made notes of what they've said. They've given me all the information. And yes, I do use my intuition as well. Um, and it's mainly based on the information they've already given me. So they, they know themselves and they, they tell me how they're feeling. And then I write it down and reframe it and give it back to them. And uh, because it's coming as a gift from somebody else, I guess, and it's, it's wrapped in a different kind of wrapping paper, then uh, they see it differently. All right, absolutely. So, Annabelle, we've kind of come to the end of today's uh, time together, and I just can't believe how quickly it's gone. Um, do you, if somebody wanted to know more about EFT, they also want to know more about maybe working with, uh, with a practitioner one-on-one -on -one and having that experience, what should they do? Yes, well, I suggest, Scott, that uh, people listening can go to my website, www.theefthealingcenter.com, and there's lots of information there about how you can get in touch with me, how you can work with me for a 30-minute phone consultation, uh, which is complimentary, find out how I work, and just see the value of what it's like to work with someone else. Um, uh, because it's very easy for that uh, outside perspective to help you shift wherever you are. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you next week.